Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ABA Law Student Podcast. My name is Ashley Baker. I currently serve as the Law Student Division Delegate of Communications, Publications, and Outreach. I'm a 2L at Southern University Law Center. This year, the Law Student Division will bring three resolutions for consideration by the ABA House of Delegates. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Matthew Wallace, a 3L at Syracuse University College of Law. Matthew is a member of the National Trial Team, the Advocacy Honor Society, He's an editor of the Journal on Terrorism and Security Analysis. He's the Chapter Justice Emeritus of Phi Alpha Delta and also SBA Vice President. Matthew also serves as the law student at large on the ABA Board of Governors and is a member of the Law Student Division Council. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. So, Matthew... We're going to discuss just two of the resolutions that I mentioned before. First, let's talk about the pro bono resolution. Now, as I understand it, this resolution is calling for the ABA to encourage state, territorial, and tribal courts, as well as law schools, to adopt a pro bono scholars program. This would allow three-year law students in the final semester to obtain a full-time externship placement providing supervised pro bono services to the underserved through nonprofit legal organizations. Why exactly is this resolution so important? So there are a lot of reasons why this resolution is important, and I think that it has the potential to really um, benefit legal education in this country. Um, By way of background, pro bono is defined um, by the ABA as direct legal representation that's provided to persons of limited means for a reduced fee or no cost. Now, as we all know in the model rules, Rule 6.1 states that lawyers should aspire to render at least 50 hours of pro bono service um, to individuals um, who have limited means and contribute financially to organizations that provide services uh, to those individuals. Unfortunately, what we see in the legal community is that this need isn't met uh, and that uh, practitioners in the field don't necessarily uh, make it to 50 hours every year. A report by the ABA Standing Committee on Pro Bono and Public Service found that 36% of survey respondents said that they actually made it to that 50-hour benchmark every year, and 20% never did any pro bono work at all. And so that's concerning um, because it shows that there is a, a pretty distinct gap in legal services. Now, we all know about the Legal Services Corporation. They're the largest funder of civil legal services in the U.S. And just to give you one more statistic that I think is pretty impactful, in 2017, they estimated that Legal Services Corporation-funded uh, organizations were approached with over 1.7 million legal problems from persons of limited means. However, there's only one legal aid attorney for every 6,415 of those uh, low-income persons in the U.S., which is just an astonishing gap. And if you compare that to those who can actually afford legal services, they put that number at one attorney for every 429 persons. Uh, so 
what we're seeing here is that there's a pretty distinct gap uh, between the services that are needed in low-income communities and the available offerings by um, the legal community. And so this resolution uh, helps to bridge that gap by uh, giving law students a greater role in providing low-income legal services. I can definitely see a benefit to the community and the legal profession as a whole, but I'm trying to wrap my mind around what this would actually look like for a typical law student. So under the ABA standards and rules of procedure for the approval of law schools, standard 311A says that law schools shall require, um, as a condition of graduation, the successful completion of a course of study not fewer than 83 hours. So would a law student participating in this type of program be able to fulfill that requirement? Would the pro bono service count um, as hours toward graduation? Absolutely. Um, So I want to make a distinction that um, this program is not designed for students to finish their law school career in five semesters. That would be an incorrect way to look at it. It's still, you're still in law school for six semesters. However, that final semester looks more like a full-time externship, as most of us would know it. So you're still taking a full load of credit hours, however your school defines those credit hours, and then uh, you're just serving under the supervision of a legal aid organization during that final semester. Now, there are certain benefits um, to this. Students who choose to enroll in the Pro Bono Scholars Program, uh, most schools have it set up as an application and acceptance process. And those who enroll are given the opportunity to take the February bar examination during their 3L year. So you'd come back from, from holiday break and you would spend you know, January through February and probably December as well studying for the, bar, the February bar exam. And then you would take that exam and then you would spend the remainder of that semester uh, working 45 hours a week in whatever pro bono placement um, you choose to be part of. So you're still completing six semesters of law school. You're just uh, committing to basically a full-time externship with the benefit of taking the February bar examination so that you sort of have uh, the ability to focus full-time on that externship for pro bono placement. So you mentioned um, there are law schools that already do this. So what jurisdictions in law schools already have this type of program? So there are several schools that have programs uh, like this. However, the resolution that we're putting forward is modeled off of the New York uh, Pro Bono Scholars Program. Um, So as you mentioned, I am a student at Syracuse University College of Law, and we're a founding member of uh, the Pro Bono Scholars Program. And uh, when the program was developed, um, our chief judge uh, here in the Court of Appeals, which is our highest court in New York, stated that the overarching goal of the Pro Bono Scholars Program is to instill in future members of the New York Bar the value of public service. And I think that that's important given the statistics I cited earlier, that there really is a gap between what the legal profession would like to see out of its practitioners and what we're actually seeing. In New York, we've had about 80 students across the state every semester that have participated um, in a program like this. And It's been around since 2017, and we're happy to state that the results have been astonishing. Um, Just to give you an example, in the February 
uh, in February of 2017, um, those who were in the pro bono scholars program passed the bar at a rate of 71%, the February bar, um, which is about 10% higher than the rest of the state. What we've also noticed is the astronomical number of hours that students have been able to put into the, the legal services community. So again, just to give you an example, locally here in Syracuse, Syracuse and Rochester, two cities that are close up here, have been ranked 13th and 12th respectively for having the highest poverty rates in the country. So we have an extreme need uh, for low-income legal services in these two cities. Uh, if you take a look at the Syracuse class of 2018, which was about 180 students, they had completed a total of six, about 6,000 pro bono hours um, during their time in law school, which is commendable. But the issue is, or I guess the benefit of the pro bono scholars program is that when you break that out per student, that's 5.5 hours per student per semester. Whereas the two students who were in the pro bono scholars program in the 12 weeks that they were participating um, performed over a thousand pro bono hours each to the local community. So they almost completed, you know, close to 35% of what the rest of the class achieved in three years, the two of them achieved in one semester. So the, the ability of these students to be uh, full-time focused on pro bono service is immensely beneficial uh, to both them as law students and to the local community. Let's turn to the delegate resolution. So currently there are three law student delegates to the House of Delegates. And for those who don't know, the House of Delegates is the policymaking body of the ABA. They meet twice a year, once at annual meeting and again at the mid-year meeting. So we currently have three seats, not counting the law student at large to the Board of Governors. This resolution would call for a change to the association's constitution to provide for six law student delegates to the House. I have to admit that it was shocking to learn that we have less than 1% representation in the House, but we account for over 100,000 members of the association. And even with the, this proposed change, we would still only account for just over 1%. We would just have over 1% representation in the House. I probably don't even need to ask this question, but why is this so important for law students to have more seats um, in the House of Delegates? Yeah, that's a great question, Ashley. I mean, I think the answer, like you said, is it's fairly obvious. Uh, law students, by definition, are the future of our profession. And as the association continues to focus and refocus on recruiting and retaining young lawyers, as it has done in the past year, law students are disheartened to learn that they have a minimal voice in the House of Delegates due to underrepresentation. And so if the association wants to continue to champion the idea that law students should take on a greater role and that the House of Delegates should be best served by increasing the number of delegates elected by the law student division, then this resolution is what's going to actually affect that change. And it costs the ABA very little, but benefits the entirety of law students to help preserve uh, their efficacy and voice within the American Bar Association for years to come. So to answer your question in really one phrase, it's a matter of proportional representation. And it's important that we make this change now for the benefit of future law students. Do you think this resolution is 
likely to pass? Are people being receptive to this idea? That's the ultimate question, isn't it? I think you have to look at what past resolutions in similar capacities have done. So in the in the association's bylaws, so the American Bar Association's bylaws, it dictates that every section shall have two delegates minimum, and they get an additional delegate at 20,000 and an additional delegate at 45,000. So under that math, we should have more delegates than we already have, right? I mean, the law student division is about 120,000 strong now. Um, so under that definition, we would have at least four. However, uh, section 6.7 of the association's constitution only allows the law student division to have three. And so that's really what we're trying to change. Um, So when I say you have to look at past resolutions, I mean, take a look at the resolution passed by the senior lawyers division uh, back in 2018 at the annual meeting in Chicago. That was actually my first meeting as a, as a member of the board of governors. And at that meeting, uh, the senior lawyers division moved from two uh, delegates in the house to four delegates, and they're only at 63,000. So they're half the size of the law student division, but they already have four delegates. And the other fact that I think is just absolutely astounding, and you hit on it earlier, is that under the current setup, 0.6% of the members of the House of Delegates are law students. And even with this change, we'll barely be at 1%. But if you add on to that, only 3% of the delegates in the House are under 30 years old. So we not only have a dearth of law students in the House, we have a severe um, lack of representation among young lawyers uh, under the age of 30. So the idea behind this resolution is that we would go from three delegates uh, in our constitution to six, and then we also pick up a seventh uh, delegate through the ABA um, Board of Governors law student at large, uh, who is currently myself. And so that would put us at seven which in proportion to the number of members that we have is about where we should be, um, given that law students fluctuate between 110 and 120,000. So as I said earlier, it's a question of proportional representation. And if the ABA really wants to push the idea that law students uh, are the future and that we want this to be a young lawyer focused association that sort of has the values and beliefs of young lawyers today, then this resolution needs to pass because it gives law students the voice that we, um, frankly, I think we deserve within the House of Delegates. When will voting on these resolutions take place? And is there anything that law students can do to help gain support for the resolutions? Absolutely. Um, So both of these resolutions have been submitted, um, which we're excited about. And several of them already have Uh, co-sponsors and supporters. I'm happy to say that the uh, American Bar Association's um, Standing Committee on Legal Aid has already agreed to uh, support the pro bono resolution. So it's nice to see that the uh, ABA entity that's specifically set up for legal aid is jumping behind our resolution. And they're going to be voted on at the House of Delegates meeting in at an ABA annual this year uh, in San Francisco, my hometown. Uh, which is uh, August 12th to the 13th. So I will be there along with our uh, our law student division council and the four of us in this capacity, the three that are currently uh, delegates and myself, will sort of work to build a coalition to get both of these resolutions passed. 
Uh, now you asked, what can other law students do? Uh, most importantly, they can contact their uh, state bar associations. So each state bar association has a number of delegates, um, as well as one statewide delegate. And so uh, by encouraging these uh, state delegates to vote in support of our resolutions as well, um, that would be immensely helpful. And I know that uh, a number of law students out there probably work with their local state, uh, with their state bar associations. And so sort of helping us to lay the groundwork for these resolutions um, is exactly what we need moving forward um, because there's only so much, you know, me and the other three delegates can do on the floor of the house. A lot of the work for these resolutions is going to come in the months and days leading up to annual, uh, which for me, of course, is bar prep since the bar is about 10 days before ABA annual, um, but trying to build our coalition before we even get to San Francisco. Is there um, a place where law students can go to find these resolutions? Are they online anywhere? Yes. So we will have them posted um, on the uh, ABAforlawstudents.com, which is our law student ABA webpage. Um, they'll also be published in the official register of resolutions put out by the American Bar Association that will come out over the summer that will not only have the uh, resolutions contained within them, but it would also have uh, the official documents supporting them, a list of supporters, a uh, list of co-sponsors, um, and that will be available sometime over the summer. So um, you can go ahead and read the resolutions for yourself, or I'm happy to send them to, of course, anybody who would want to read them. And how can students follow you on social media? So first and foremost, uh, liking the ABA-related pages is always helpful. So our, we have uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have to, of course, uh, plug them first. However, um, I always encourage students to reach out to me as well. You can find me on Facebook um, on just under my name, Matthew Wallace, um, or on Twitter, uh, Snapchat, and Instagram at Wallace with the number four, America. Um, and I'm happy to also correspond with anybody by uh, email at mw. W-A-L-L-A-C, so it's my first initial, middle initial, and most of my last name, except my last letter, at syr.edu. I'm happy to work with um, anyone who, who believes in our cause, um, believes in uh, helping to remedy the justice gaps that we have in the, in the legal services community and uh, getting law students the voice that uh, they need within the American Bar Association to be successful moving forward. And I welcome uh, any help with that. All right. Thank you, Matthew. I know this is a hectic time, um, final season and all. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out your schedule to discuss these resolutions. I appreciate the opportunity. It's, uh, it's been a great conversation and um, I look forward to what the uh, division is going to do moving forward. It's exciting times for all of us. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Law Student Podcast. I would like to invite you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on iTunes. You can reach us on Facebook at ABA for Law Students or follow us and all of our student leaders at hashtag ABA for Law Students. Signing off, I'm Ashley Baker. Thank you for listening. And I'll leave you with this quote by Senator Kamala Harris. There is a lot of work to be done to make sure our leaders reflect the people they are supposed to represent. The more diverse a group of decision makers is, the more informed the decision will be. Until we achieve full representation, we all should understand we are falling short of the ideals of our country. 
If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.